Good morning. Uh, my name is Mudeo, Mudeo Mecha, and I'm one of the deacons here at One Tribe. I serve alongside Tesni um, in the social justice department. And every once in a while, someone thinks it's a smart idea to ask me to speak. So this happens to be one of those times. Um, and if you're joining us today for the first time, uh, a warm welcome to you. Karibu sana. We hope you felt at home as Greg and his wife gave you that warm smile as you were coming in. Um, but also as we worshipped our Lord and Savior this morning, we hope that you felt um, welcomed and loved. Um, and we hope to see you again. And so we are... In our second series of the year, we started the year by casting a vision for uh, what it is that we sense God is calling us to as a church. Um, and then coming out of that, we are in this series uh, where, we are looking, where we are looking at wisdom for living and going through the book of Proverbs to see what practical wisdom can we gain uh, or can we glean from this book um, that was written by King Solomon that we can apply practically to our everyday life in all areas of our lives, really, uh, in marriage, in friendships, in the words that we speak, uh, in choices and decisions that we make with our lives and that kind of thing. And so Cephas uh, took us through the introduction of of this series that we are in uh, by you know, helping us understand what is wisdom. And he, he told us that wisdom is practical knowledge applied to life. And then he helped, under, he helped us understand who we are in relation to wisdom. And we are only one of three things when it comes to wisdom and who we are in relation to it. We are either wicked or fools, those that despise wisdom and instruction, or we are simple. Um, and he said that, you know, as a simple, we are... It's, you know, we're in a very, you know, shaky ground there because one decision can land us in the land of the fool, or if we apply wisdom, then it lands us in the third category, which is the wise or the righteous. And Cephas graciously reminded us that you and I are one decision away from ruining our lives by the decisions that we make, whether in wisdom or out of wisdom. And so today we are going to look at the wisdom in terms of words, the words that we speak, the words we consume, just words. How do we apply wisdom to our words? And someone might be asking, hey, I'm learned, I have degrees upon degrees, I have a PhD, I'm a big deal at my place of work, I have positions and power. I obviously didn't get there by being the fool around here. I, I know stuff, I have knowledge, I have information, I'm well-read, I'm well-studied, I am somebody. I'm confident at public speaking, I mean, I give speeches, I have a podcast, I, I got this. Why on earth would we need wisdom? But it would serve us well this morning to remember that if, if the, def, the, the definition of wisdom is anything to go by, and remember that scripture that we, uh, we studied last weekend that says that, uh, what's the beginning place of wisdom? Who was here last Sunday? What's the beginning place of wisdom? Fear. The fear of the Lord. Now, if, if that beginning place of wisdom is anything to go by, then I'd have us know this morning that actually, we are all by nature fools. Just, just let that sink in for a moment, that regardless of how well studied you are, how well positioned you are in your workplace, how well thought of you are in society, no matter how many amazing things you've done, we are all by nature fools. 
and that is because of the sin that we are born with, because of the sin of Adam and Eve, and of course our own sin as well, that our hearts actually do not know to pursue wisdom on their own. Outside of the grace and the goodness of God and the salvation that he's given us, the tendency of our hearts is actually to pursue after foolishness that leads to death. And so you and I need wisdom today because we are actually fools and fools need wisdom. The second reason why I think we need wisdom this morning is because the world that we are living in is, is not ours. We are all visitors here. We, God put us here. We are on a journey, and we are soon you know, on our way out of this world. This world is not ours. And often, our words are mostly directed towards who? Other people, right? Either people we are in relationship with, people that we meet along the journey of life. Some people we meet once and will never meet again. You know, the annoying driver on the road who just can't keep to his lane. Our words are directed towards people. And guess what? These people, every single one of them, the ones we love and the ones we wish didn't exist, each and every one of them are God's child, created in the very image of God. They have purpose and they have worth simply because they are God's creation. And so if this is God's world, these are his people, and the only way that we mingle with others and you know, engage with others is through our words, then we need wisdom from God to know how to deal with his people that he has created in his image, the people that he has given, he has given worth because they are his children. And so the truth of the matter is, if we are fools by nature, then our own wisdom and the wisdom of this world is not going to cut it when it comes to how we relate with God's children. The wisdom of the world tells us that there are people that we ought to write off, right? I mean, they deserve it. See the things they've done, the things they've said, the way they've acted and behaved towards us. The wisdom of the world tells us what? Do away with them. They are worthless. Cancel them. You know, cancel culture is big in our day today. Do away with them. They have no worth. They have no value. Yet the wisdom of God says, on the other hand, to do what? To love our enemies, to pray for those that persecute you. The wisdom of God clearly is one that we need if we are going to navigate the world that God has put us in, in a way that honors him, in a way that brings him glory, and in the way that places the person that is in front of you in the place of honor and worth that God sees them in. Outside of God's wisdom, our wisdom is short-sighted because we see, we see this person for the one thing they've done in front of us, just that one thing. And we, we, base, you know, we judge their entire existence based on that one thing that they have done. Short-sighted, we don't see that there's a God, there's a savior that is pursuing this person's heart and wants nothing but for them to come to know him and for their lives to be turned around, right? Our wisdom is selfish. It's utter foolishness. And so the only way that you and I can successfully navigate God's world with wisdom is with the wisdom that comes from him. And if we don't recognize that, you know, we are foolish and that we tend to rebel against God, then we'll go around completely ignorant of what God is doing because God is at work, right? 
God is moving. He's still in the business of saving, of rescuing, of redeeming. But if we are constantly caught up in the things that people are doing, the annoying things, and the things that cause us to not extend grace with our words, then we completely miss out on what God is actually doing in saving and redeeming and drawing to himself our people. The third reason why I think we need wisdom for our words this morning is that words are powerful. Words are powerful and they have an effect on others, those to whom these words are said. Words also are powerful because they actually have an effect on us, the ones that say those words. And words are powerful because they also matter to God. Now, Sifas shared last Sunday that he was, you know, one of those, you know, clever kids in school. The teachers said it to him. His parents said it to him. I'll have you know this morning that I do not remember in my entire schooling years ever being told that I was clever. In fact, in high school, and if you went to the 844, you know, system, I'm sure I have, you know, testimonies here. Um, I went to, in primary school, I went to what you would call group of schools. Amen, group of schools, people? I see you, I see you. If you don't know what that is, just find yourself a Kenyan and they'll, they'll explain it to you. So I was happy in a group of schools. And then for high school, my parents thought it was a really good thing to send us back to high school in, you know, the uh, rural area where we would see the other side of life and interact with, you know, real life, because apparently what we experienced in group of schools was not real life at all. And so I found myself, now from group of schools, I didn't go to a high school, I went to a secondary school. It's not even a secondary school, it was a secondary school. <laughs> now, in this secondary school, um, I made it, first of all. I'm, I'm here, I survived. <laughs> But I remember this one teacher. Now, let me start by saying that this teacher, she was the CU patron, now the Christian Union patron. And so on Sundays, she would be you know, in service like this and sharing God's word and ministering to us. But between Monday and Friday, she was the most cruel human you would ever imagine. The words that came out of her mouth went something like this. She would walk into class and stand in front of us and say something like, you retro hungry boys. It was a girl's school, by the way. Retro hungry boys. When I look at you, I see nothing but E's and F's, a total waste of my time. That's how her every class started. And then on Sunday, where would we be? In church, and she'd be ministering God's word to us. And she would do things like she would completely lower her tone and only teach, you know, the, the, the three guys who sat at the front. Now, I'll have you know, I was also maybe a little rebellious. And the corner I sat in throughout my high school life was the farthest corner, one of those. And so for my entire high school life, you can imagine, I promise you, I didn't hear anything she said. She taught, but anything I ever learned for her class was whatever I read for myself. Because of course, my mind shut off. If already I'm an F, if all you see is an F when you walk in, why should I bother paying attention, right? And so would you imagine that, okay, I always struggled with math and physics, the sciences and things like that. And it wasn't until university when I took my first math course in university 
And for the first time in my life, I scored an A in maths. Let me tell you, that was worth every celebration on the planet because my whole life I never tried. Why? Because the teacher walked in and said, F's, retro hungry boys, wasting my time, right? <laughs> yes, she had a, a bit of a mother, mother tongue influence in her accent. And so words have power because myself and a lot of my classmates, oh, and did I mention that our classes back then were divided in two? There was a class for the A material and then the rest of us. So of course I was in each class, the rest of us. And so my class, all of us struggled. None of us tried. A lot of us didn't excel in you know, our academics until later years when we were in campus and trying to discover ourselves. I say this to say that words have power. Words can make, words they break. And so we must be responsible with our words. Now, words don't only just give death, don't just produce death or kill or, you know, cause discouragement. Words are also life-giving. Proverbs 18.21 reminds us that death and life is in the power of the tongue. Words also give life. Words matter because they also give life. Like the words of a friend on a Sunday morning like today as I woke up and was getting ready to church and I received a message from a good friend saying, hey, you got this. I know it's been a hard week. You got this. I know that God is going to use what you're going to say powerfully. The words of an encouraging friend. Or the tap on the shoulder as we were starting worship and someone walks up to me and says, hey, Mude, we prayed for you. Do this. God's got you. Words have power. Words matter. Proverbs 12, 18 reminds us that the tongue of the wise brings healing. Words matter. Words matter because they have an effect on us. The words we speak either open doors for us or they cause us trouble, right? I'm sure all of us can remember a time in our lives where either in your workplace, in your marriage, in a dating relationship, in our communicating with our kids, I'm sure all of us can remember a time when words caused us deep, deep trouble, right? Words matter. They don't just affect those to whom we speak, but they have an effect on us as well. The third thing is that words matter to God. Listen to what Jesus says in Matthew 12, 33 to 36. You brood of snakes, how could evil men like you speak what is good and right? For whatever is in your heart determines what you say. A good person produces good things from the treasury of a good heart. And an evil person produces evil things from the treasury of an evil heart. I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. God cares about the words that we speak. So there, there are no careless, empty words because they matter. There are no neutral words, you know, oh, I didn't really mean to say that. Oh, that just came out, I was angry in the heat of the moment. There are no idle, empty words. They matter to God because each one of us will give an account for the, every single idle word that we've spoken. So then, what can we learn from the book of Proverbs this morning that would help us to be moving closer to God's intent for us in terms of applying wisdom for our words? 
And the first thing that I see, us, um, I see for us from the book of Proverbs is that less is more. Less is always more when it comes to our words. Now, I know we live in a world where less is more for who, right? Social media is, like if you took out words out of social media, we have no social media, right? We have nothing to write home about. We live in a world where the sound of our own voices is, is something that we adore. And each one of us is an expert at something. We all have something to say, and we all have opinions to say about anything and everything. And we have all the avenues that we could ever need to say whatever it is we need to say. There's, even, there's no accountability. I mean, all you need to do is just go on some platform. You could even open a fake account and say all the nasty things you want to say. No one will ever know it was you, right? But less is often more when it comes to our words. A wise person exercises restraint. Proverbs 29.11 says this, fools vent their anger, but the, quiet, the wise quietly hold it back. Voicing one's opinion, I think, is one, is one of the idols of our day to day. We, we feel just this need to, like, I can't be silent. My voice must be heard. How will the world know that I'm still relevant. How do I stay relevant in our world today if I'm not putting out my, my voice, my opinion on this, that, and the other? We even have opinions on things that honestly, a few decades ago, none of us would dare say a thing about because we, we, we are clueless. We are not, I'm not an expert at this, that, or the other. If you ask me, my degree is in community development, uh, fashion design. If I'm ever to speak professionally, those are probably the only two things I should speak into in terms of being an expert, right? But we live in a world where if you don't voice your opinion, it's sort of like, where do you stand? Like, we need to know where you stand on this thing. We need to know, we need to know what you're thinking. And a lot of the times, our opinions, because they are, they are rash, they are done in the heat of the moment, they are not thought through, and a lot of the times, they're probably not even based for us as believers, and I'm talking about us as believers, they're not even based on what it is that God's word is saying. We're just flowing with popular opinions. You know, this, this is what's happening in our day, so hey, I don't want to offend anyone, so my opinion, uh, whatever I say needs to, you know, just keep the calm, because I don't want, you know, a Twitter storm coming my way for saying the wrong thing, right? A wise person exercises restraint. Proverbs 18.13, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. 15.28, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. And so what are we to do, one tribers? We need to slow down and exercise restraint where our words are concerned. We need to do more listening than we are doing talking or talking with our fingers. We need to slow down and ponder the words that are coming out of our mouths. Because as we said, our words matter because they have an effect on others, they have an effect on us, and each one of us will give an account of every idle word that we have spoken. And so we cannot... We cannot flow with the wisdom of the age that says you must give your opinion on everything. The wisdom of God says, actually, 
exercise restraint. Consider for a moment what you're about to say. Consider for a moment the person that you're about to say it to. Consider for a moment that that is a child of God and that Jesus is pursuing their heart as well. The second thing that we can learn from the book of Proverbs is this, that silence is golden. And sometimes we, it's not just restraint that we need. Sometimes we actually just need to zip it and let it be. Now, I'm not talking here about being silent on areas that we are struggling with in life and not seeking help. No, no, I'm talking about silent about the need to constantly say something about anything and everything. Proverbs 21, 23 says this, whoever keeps his mouth, his tongue, keeps himself out of trouble. Do you see a man hasty with his words? Proverbs 29, 20. Listen to this. There is more hope for a fool than for him. Do you see a man who is hasty with his words? Solomon reminds us that there is actually more hope for a fool than there is for that man. And in chapter 10, verse 19, he reminds us this, that when words are many, transgression is not lacking, but whoever restrains his lip is prudent. And so one tribe this morning, we can actually be some of those that choose the way of silence every once in a while. And rather than speak outwardly about anything and everything, be the ones that actually take a moment to reflect, take a moment to go back to the word of God and say, hey, what does God actually say about this thing? Maybe even take a moment and move closer to that person to whom you are about to, you know, spill out anything and everything that was coming to mind. Maybe take a moment and move towards that person and be silent and just hear where it is they are coming from. A truly wise person uses few words. A person with understanding is even tempered. And he, here is the kicker for me. Even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. When they keep their mouth shut, they seem intelligent. That's Proverbs chapter 17, verses 27 to 28. Now, I'm not suggesting that we all go about in a mysterious, you know, mysterious silence, like we all just want to look cool and look intelligent. No, no, no. When we have things to say and we've considered what it is we are saying, we've considered their impact by all means. But even fools are thought wise when they keep silent. So if it serves us in that moment, guys, let's just be silent. We don't have to always be saying something. More listening, less talking. More understanding, less talking. The second thing that, um, or the other thing that uh, we need, we can learn from the book of, of Proverbs is this. A right word spoken at the right time, the right way is actually a thing of beauty and is something for us to aspire to. Right words, like I said this morning, is, is healing to the soul, is medicine, it's encouragement, it's uplifting. Proverbs 15.23 says that everyone enjoys a fitting reply. It is wonderful to say the right thing at the right time. Think about the loving words of, of a parent spoken to a child in their moment of struggle. 
think about the life that they inject into that child and the joy, the smile, the confidence that they speak into that child. Think about a word of love from a spouse to their, you know, to their significant other. Think about the joy that brings, the confidence, the sense of, the sec of security that brings to whoever is receiving those words. Think about the encouraging words of a boss when you've done well, or even when you're struggling and your boss says, hey, I can see you're struggling, but you got this. Think about the words that God has spoken over us, the words that are constantly reminding us of who he is, and in turn, we are able to see who we are in him. A word spoken at the right time is a wonderful thing and everyone enjoys it. Right time. Verse, uh, chapter 25 verse 11 says, a word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in a setting of silver. Just a thing of beauty. A word spoken at the right time. Timing is everything when it comes to words, right? When a word, it could be a right word, but spoken at the wrong time, then uh, it ends up not being a thing of beauty. But when it's a right word spoken at the right time, then it ends up being a thing of beauty, something to behold, something that brings life and healing and encouragement. But it's just not enough for it to be a right word spoken at the right time. It needs to be the right word at the right time spoken in the right way. The tone of it matters. The way in which it is spoken matters. Our body language matters. Can you imagine saying to someone, I love you? It's like, wow. The, the actions, the demeanor, and the words are not working together. But when the word is spoken in the right way, with the right emotion, with the right state of your heart, with the entirety of yourself present in that moment, then that word becomes, as I've said, healing and a thing of beauty. And there's not one among us that wouldn't want or enjoy such kind of a word, a word spoken at the right time, which is the right word and spoken in the right way. Now, the other thing that we can learn about words and it's flowing from speaking in the right way is that we need to be those that speak with grace. Now, grace, it, it cannot be the thing that we apply when, just when it suits us. I think we need even more grace for those moments when we are tempted to speak words that are going to hurt or destroy another one. Proverbs 16:24 says that gracious words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the body. A soft answer in chapter 15 verse 1 says, a soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. Our words need to be clothed in grace, clothed in grace and love, because we have received God's grace and love. We are recipients of that same grace that God is calling us to extend in the words that we speak. We have been given life. We have experienced the life-giving uh, power of God's words that he has spoken over us. And God is calling us to be those that extend that same grace with our words. 
because the truth of the matter is there's not one among us that at some point in our lives has needed words of grace spoken over us. There's not one among us that has lived so perfectly in our marriage, in our life, in our parenting, in our work, in our business, in our friendships, such that we can say, hey, why should I extend grace? I've never needed it. No. We, we not only have been recipients of grace in the past, but I promise you that you're going to need grace at some point in the day to come, in the next few hours maybe. One, each one of us at some point in the near future are going to need grace extended to us. And so we must make it a practice for us to learn to speak with grace, to extend grace. Because yes, we have received grace, but we will also be needing grace in not so long to come. Proverbs 15:26 reminds us that the thoughts of a wicked man are an abomination to the Lord, but gracious words are pure. With patience, a ruler may be persuaded, and a soft tongue will break a bone. Now, it's easy to imagine that gracious words are weak words, right? A lot of times, you know, talk, tough talking is seen as, you know, that's, that's who the man is, like the one who talks tough. And sometimes grace can be looked at as the weak position. But Solomon here tells us that a soft tongue will break a bone. Gracious words are not weak words, my friends. Gracious words are powerful words. Gracious words are powerful words. Let's be those that speak words of grace because words of grace are laden with power. The other thing that we really ought to do is that we ought to guard our hearts now. The thing with our words is that they, they don't just come from a place of intellect or books we've read or, you know, uh, confidence in public speaking or a great accent here or mother tongue influence or lack thereof. Like, that's, that's not the substance of our words. Our words actually come from our hearts. Our hearts are the factory where words are manufactured. Because in our hearts is where we store up, you know, the things that we, we believe. It's where the things that we've consumed. The heart is really the core of who we are. And our words are spoken out of that place. So our words are not just empty things that, you know, show up in our mind and then they, they run out and it's done. No, our, our words actually reveal what's going on in our hearts. And so if we are to be wise with our words, it actually doesn't start with what is coming out of our mouths. It's a much deeper issue for us than that. We have to go to where the source of our words is, and that place is our hearts. We must guard our hearts because, as Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart, for out of it flows the springs of life. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Proverbs 16.23 reminds us that the heart of the wise makes his speech judicious and adds persuasiveness to his lips. Speech is formed in our hearts way before it has been, you know, it comes out of our lips. Now, the, the problem with our hearts then is uh, 
our hearts are wicked. James says that our hearts are wicked. So what do we do? If, if our hearts are wicked and they are the factory for our words, then, then we are doomed, right? Because we, remember, we are, we, are, we are fools by nature. As if that's not bad enough, the words come out of our hearts and these hearts are wicked above everything else. And then we are being asked to guard our hearts. So what, what, what do we do? How do we guard our hearts? And the truth of the matter is, there's not a single one of us here that has the power to transform our hearts from that place of foolishness and wickedness into that place of gracious speech that God is calling us to. God is the only one who is able to tame the tongue because he's the only one who is able to change hearts. I'll say that again. God is the only one who has the power to tame your tongue because he's the only one that is able to change your heart. And so if you're here this morning and are struggling with the words that come out of your mouth or you're struggling, or you're struggling because of words, the answer is not in reading more self-help books. That's great. You'll gain knowledge for a bit. The answer is not in another degree, another course, and all of that, because the problem is actually a heart problem. Only God has the power to change and transform our hearts, and in turn, change and transform our words. And here is a secret, and even the psalmist knew this secret well when he said in Psalm 19, 119 verse 11, that your words have I hidden in my heart, that I may not sin against you. We cannot tame our words. We cannot speak graciously of our own accord. We cannot guard our hearts if we are not hiding God's word in our hearts. The only way for our words to be what God wants them to be is when they are cultured by God's words. We are the beginning place of our words. We are the place we go for wisdom for our words is the word of God. And so my challenge to us this morning is, are you struggling with words? Get in the word. Are you struggling to be gracious with the words that are coming out of your mouth? Are you struggling even in your marriage to say loving things? Are you struggling with your kids? Are you struggling even in the workplace? Are you struggling as a boss and managing people? If you have come from the kingdom of darkness into light and you call Jesus Lord and savior of your life, get in the word, stay in the word. That's the place where transformation of the heart begins by the working of the Holy Spirit and transforms us and changes us in a way that our words begin to be life-giving and begin to look more and more like the words of our Lord and Savior. Get in the word, stay in the word. What then? What do we do then? It's, I don't think it's, it's enough for us to speak words of wisdom, words of grace, uh, because then that remains constantly a thing between us and the person that is in front of us, us and the relationship that is in front of us. But I want to put it to us this morning that there's a relationship that matters even more to each and every one of us than this relationship with one another, that yes, our words matter where this is concerned, but I put it to us this morning that we need to behold Jesus. 
because Jesus is the only true wise one. He's the only cure for our foolishness, the only cure for our wickedness, the only cure for our simple hearts. Jesus is our wisdom, and therefore the way of wisdom is really truly only the way of Jesus. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 1.30 says. God alone made it possible for you to be in Christ. For our benefit, God made Christ to be wisdom itself. He is the one who made us acceptable to God. Colossians 2, 2 to 3 picks it up and says this. It's a prayer that he's making. I want them to have full confidence because they have complete understanding of God's secret plan, which is in Christ himself. In him lies hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And so, dear friends, I put it to us that there is no wisdom to be received, to be gained outside of him in whom lies all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Let's behold Jesus. This is, who John, this is what John says about this Jesus. And I love the, the play of words um, from John chapter 1 about who Jesus is and him being the word. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and that word was God. He was God in the beginning. Through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world did not recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. And yet to all who received him, to all who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become his children. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. Let's turn our ears to wisdom. Let's fix our gaze on this Jesus because he is the word. And he's just not a word that was far off, but he came and became man, lived in the flesh and made his dwelling among us so that we could behold his glory, the glory of the one true son. And so there's, there's no wisdom to be gained for our words and really for all of life outside of beholding our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And allow me to just go back a little bit to what I said about silence being golden. And I know there's, in a room this big, there's, there's some among us for whom our interpretation of silence being golden is we, we'll just stay quiet and hide because if you know the things that people have said to me or said about me, the names that have been called, I dare not raise my voice because I would not give anyone a chance to say something else about me again. Because the words that have been spoken over me have crushed, have destroyed, and brought nothing but pain. Words that have devalued. 
And I, I, just, I just want to speak into your life today, into that place of deep pain and brokenness because of words that have been spoken and remind you that the answer for you is still beholding Jesus. Because you see, like I said, he's the only one that speaks life. He speaks healing, and he just doesn't speak healing. He is healing himself. He's the one who was bruised as he hung on that cross and bore the weight of every word that has been spoken over you. And so my challenge to you is still, behold Jesus. Be in his word and see all the things that he says about you. Encounter all the lies that have been spoken about you with his word, because his word is the only one that I say that has power to heal those broken places and to transform the words that have been, uh, were meant for death over you. And he can transform those words to be words um, that, that you can start to embrace the good words that God has spoken over you. Because you see, um, they may have written you off, but it's not finished until God says it is. They may have said, like my teacher said, that we'll become nothing and nobody's, right? That's not what God says about us. And so I encourage each one of us today, if you're, if you're suffocating this morning under the weight of words spoken over you, over the course of your life, but pe by people who should have known better, by a parent who should have said loving words, by a friend, a sibling, um, a, a boss who should have known better and said words of healing and encouragement, my encouragement to you this morning is this. Look to Jesus. Be in his word. Embrace everything that God has said about you. Believe it and allow the Holy Spirit to seal those words in your heart so that then you can move from the darkness of those words into the glorious light of what our Savior says that you are. And if you're here this morning and you're on the opposite side where the problem is actually that you are the one that is, you know, the machine that spills out those words. And sometimes, let's be honest, it's not because we are evil, right? It's not like we are trying to hurt anyone. Sometimes it's just the weight of having five children and having to deal with them every day, right? And the pressure of the chaos of life just squeezes out things out of our mouths that wouldn't otherwise come out, right? Sometimes I'm, I'm not saying that when we say bad things, it's always because we are just hopelessly evil and cannot be rescued. Sometimes it's the reality of the spaces that we find ourselves in when we've come to the end of our road. The answer is still the same. When we rest in Christ, when we rest in Christ and fill our hearts with his words and we are consumed by the living word of God, then even in the moments of pressure, in the moments where a default setting is to spew out words that don't build, then God's word is able to transform us and enable us to speak words that are gracious or even give us the wisdom to know to be silent and not to answer in that moment of deep pressure. And there's some among us this morning, the words that you're drowning in are not even words that were said by somebody. They are words that you've actually come to believe all by yourself because of life. Life has just life, right? 
and because of failure here, failure there, broken relationship there, broken relationship there, things that just haven't gone around. You have spoken words over your own self and told yourself how, ah, maybe this, this thing is not just for me. I, I have no business being in this world because I can never get anything right. Relationships, eh, not my thing. I'm not worthy because look at my life. There's no track record of success at anything. And the weight of the words that's killing you this morning is probably the words that you have spoken over yourself and believed that are nothing like what your savior says about you. And my answer still remains the same. Behold Jesus, be in his word, and let him be the one that erases those things that you've said about yourself and replaces them with the fullness of life that he has to offer in his word. And so this morning, if you remember nothing else, remember to behold Jesus, remember to be in his word, remember to value, to treasure his word because his word is life, his word is healing, and in his word, we get instruction for everything we need for life and for godliness. There is no wisdom to be found outside of a relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And so if you're here this morning and Jesus is just is, is some guy that you've heard about, you know, there's those crazy guys, they believe in this guy who lived hundreds of years ago, thousands of years ago, and it means absolutely nothing to you. I want to encourage you this morning to take a step close, move closer and see and behold what it is that Jesus would have for you. He paid the price for you to come in and be his child so that you can live in the fullness of life that he has already paid for. And so I encourage you this morning, would you consider taking on Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life? He loves you. He wants nothing more than to be in relationship with you. And while you might be coming to this series thinking, you know what, at the end of this series, I'll know what to do better for my business, check. You have goals for marriage because you're gonna be talking about marriage and parenting and words. I put it to you this morning that the wisest thing you could do this morning, if Jesus is not Lord and Savior of your life, would actually be to say yes to Jesus and have him turn your life around where it makes a difference for everything else. Let's be those that seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And let those other things be secondary to what God is calling us to. Behold Jesus, be in his word. See first. Lord.